God bless you and welcome to Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast. We appreciate and welcome all of you, our listeners around the world. Stay tuned to hear an exciting word from pastor teacher, Dr. James Sutton. relationship with others. We must get our vertical right before we attempt to get our horizontal right. We must have this right before we go this way. And because we don't have this right, that's how you end up showing partialities down here. You don't have that up and down relationship right with God. The first way to do that is to get saved, of course. But now we're talking about the difference between your spiritual sanctification and your natural sanctification. And what normally happens, the formula is, the more that I understand what's happening spiritually with me, I can l- use it in the world that I live in. When I don't understand and really don't have the connection that I should with God, then it's hard for me to walk out this thing as he chose us to do. So we want to talk about that because it's so important in today's times that you have that vertical relationship right. So what does that mean, Pastor? What does that mean? First you get saved, and then you join a body of believers, you know, and then you participate with them, you worship with them, you continue to study and pray, and you begin to ask God questions about himself and his word. It is okay to ask God about himself. It is okay to ask God and have questions about his word that you don't understand. We decided to call it the the, uh, pothole. When we read scripture, there's some things we just read over. Because we just want to get past it. But we need to go back and deal with it. We need to go back and deal with it. And what we're going to deal with today, again, very simplistic preaching. Nothing way up there, but I want to make you see this in a way that you might not have seen it before. Let's go to James. Let's go back to chapter 2. And I'll start off, and then I'll let Arsenio kick in. It says, 2 verse 8. And I like this. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, what is the what is the linchpin here? That if that means you got a choice, and to fulfill something, you got to empty something out. To fulfill, to feel, something has to be emptied out. And if you're going to fulfill the royal law, this is just not any law. This is the law, the royal law of Jesus Christ. You have to fulfill it standing on Scripture. You can't do it in your imagination. You've got to stand on the Scripture of God to be able to fulfill the real law. You have to allow the Scripture to penetrate who you are, what you are, what you think, and you have to stand on it as a strong foundation. Because that's the only foundation that can't be shook. Politics will shake. Relationships will shake. Religion will shake. But God's word will stand forever. So if I'm going to have a right relationship of loving my neighbor, I must stand firmly on the scriptures. And and see, when when they say the scriptures, that means this had to be in the Old Testament somewhere. I'm not talking about the New Testament. They're talking about the Old Testament. Because they didn't consider when they wrote these letters, think about this, they didn't consider what they were writing would be scripture. That came later. But Paul is saying, look, 
If, if there's a way to do this, we must stand on scripture. And not love is ooey gooey. You know, love is a sacrifice, not a feeling. But you may get a feeling out of the sacrifice, but you don't start with the feeling that think you're going to end up at the sacrifice. You start with the sacrifice that leads, up, leads you to a feeling. Jesus said, let your will be done. And he went to the cross and he sacrificed, which brought about a feeling. And even in that, he gave his life. They didn't take it. And then he said, he told them, he said, he said, forgive them. Now look, at, look, look how much the love goes for those who, who rightfully use you and, and abuse you. God tells us to pray for them. Jesus prayed for them and said, forgive them for letting them know what they do. So the first thing we see in love is there's a forgiveness. There's an emptying out of forgiveness. And you can only give this kind of forgiveness if you understand that you've been what? Forgiven. Amen. Read verse 9. Verse 9. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressions. So if you do show this partiality we talked about last week, guess what it's saying? You committed sin. Why is it so sinful to show partiality? We discovered that last week. Because your partiality turns into a prejudice. And your prejudice is sin. Jesus is not even saying that. He's just, he just saying if, you're, if you show this partiality, you sin. If you prefer one brother or sister in Christ over another, you sin. The Bible tells us if you know do good and don't do it, that's sin. Some of us have people that we like in, in personality, but when it comes down to this church, this local body, and the other believers, we should show no partiality. If you can get up and sing with the praise team, you can get up and sing with the right city praise team. Amen. Amen. It shouldn't make a difference to you. If you're asked to do something here, should, if you go somewhere else, if they ask you to do the same, it shouldn't be a problem with you. But we do have problems, don't we? We do have partiality. And we must look at it as God looks at it. See, we, we, we're working on trying to get this vertical right. Because if we look at it like God looked at it, we can begin to get it right. See, we have to go to God and repent for our partiality. We repent for all this other stuff. But see, the, the fruit of your sin is the stuff that's manifested, but it starts with partiality. And partiality always begins with what? Pride. And as we know, the Bible says pride goes before the fall. So when you show partiality, that's just the fruit of your pride. Because what you're saying is that what you think and what you do and the way you do it is better and beneficial to the next person. Could it be that you just are prideful to the point you're saying the same things but in a different way? That you want somebody to say it like you say it. But they may say it in a different way. They may sit on the other side of the church and hear it a different way. <laughs> you know, that's why I say tell you to move. It's just a physical act of moving. When you sit here, they're, look, they're listening from behind. Trust me, it's different for them now. Yeah. It's not the same as sitting in front of me. But they may hear something different that may help them. But we never get so prideful that we can't be humble. We know that, that Peter says, it says, humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, and in due time, he will exalt you. Yeah. Well, that's having a preface in what God says. If I understand that my basis for my verbal relations is based upon humility, then I need to show the humility to God first. I need to understand Romans 2 and 4. It said the goodness of God should lead me to repentance. That's humility. Do you know when you repent, you're showing humility? You're telling God, whatever I think is wrong or whatever you think is all right. 
No, I may not like it, but whatever you think is all right. And a good father, you know what a good father says? You know, I thought about this. Anybody had a good father? He said no more than he said yes. Because uh -uh. well. he kept you out of trouble. Amen. And if you had a good father when he said no, he meant no. And you went to kicking, screaming, and complaining. A good mother, too. No, you can't go out dressed like that. No, you can't stay out past this time. No, we don't do that in this house. I don't care what they do. You get the same thing. If they jump off a bridge, you're going to jump off a bridge, too. <laughs> you was partial to wrecking your life. But your parent, your good parents said, no, I'm not going to let it happen. Now, once you, you know, once you leave this house, you can, once you get grown, pay your own bills, and wash your dirty clothes, amen, you can do, have all the partiality you want. But until then, I'm right. All right. And I say that with God. You're right. Amen. I have to check myself at the foot of the cross. I have to check myself where God emptied out himself for me. And I got, still got issues, y'all. I'm still working through. I'm working out my own soul salvation. Amen. I'm still doing that. That ain't nothing that, that happens overnight. Amen. It's a journey. Yes, I'm going up and I'm going out. I'm going up and I'm going out. Out means I'm dealing with everybody around me and you. Amen. And the better vertical, the better the horizontal. And think about this. If you ever draw around on a piece of paper up and down, that's your relationship with God this way. And then you draw it across like this. This is your journey in life. God knew you before the foundation of earth and then you came into the earth. Bam, you start your journey. Now you start your journey and you really don't have that relationship that you had up there beforehand. What you do is accept Jesus and now the connection is remade. God comes straight down. There's no, there's no wiggly waggly in him like you in your journey. He comes straight down and, and dwells with you in the Holy Spirit. But think about this. As you still walk out horizontally and deal with people and deal with your struggles and deal with circumstances, Sister Karen, as you deal with those things, that come to, to, to get you off a path, God say, I'm still there. You just got to look up and deal with me horizontally. And vertically, I mean, you got to look up. You got to surrender in. You got you, you to surrender to that what I deposited you. Because what I deposited you is straight and narrow. What I gave you is simple. What I gave you is, is easy to follow, but you got to decide to surrender. No matter how crooked I am, no matter how far I go away from God, God is still willing to deal with me up and down. He don't come at me sideways. He always come at me at a 90 degree angle. That's why the words take you off the square. To remove you from that, from that 90 degree angle that God wants to deal with you straight up. He doesn't want to deal with you crookedly. He wants to deal with you sideways. He wants to deal with you straight up and down. Let's go to Matthew. Let's go to Matthew. Let's go to verse uh, 27. 11 27, I'm sorry. Matthew 11 27. I'm going to show you where I have a problem. Because we have to establish this vertical relationship. But we got to empty out to fulfill this royal law of love. That's what the scripture tells us. All things have been handed over to me by my father. Mm -hmm. And no one knows the Son except the Father. Mm -hmm. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. 
So there's revelation. Say revelation. Revelation. So before, before, before you walk with God, when you walk with God, you do imitation. When you perish, you do imitation. Imitation comes before revelation. So what God is saying to have a true relationship with me, it has to be something I reveal to you. It's not by mental ascent, by academic achievement. It's by revelation of a pure heart. God will come meet you when your motives are pure. When your motives are not pure, you can use all the biblical language on it you want. God will not reveal the truth to you. Because your motives are right for gaining what the power of the word has. See, you're wanting to wait because you want to have a position. You want to have authority. But see, if your motive is pure love, he'll pour it all out. He'll say, he's the giver of good gifts. And he doesn't give it on the various of other people. You know, God will give you a good gift when other people hating on you and don't understand you. God will give you revelatory about yourself. And see, this is the key to it. God wants to reveal you to you before he reveals you to others. God wants to have his relationship with you before you step out and represent him. And he's just saying, look, the only one who knows the Father is me and the only one who knows the Son is him. So then if you get to know him, he said, it's through revelation. It's not through having a perfect attendance record at church. It's not even coming to the Bible. Like all those things are good when our motives are pure, when we're seeking the revelation. Because we imitate man on a daily basis. We are in the world and not of the world. Because we're in the world, we imitate the world yeah. at times. But we're supposed to be a peculiar people. We're supposed to be set apart. But see, the set apart I'm talking about in a minute is going to be the horizontal set apart. You should be different from everything else around you. Not weird different. Not cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs different. Just different in how you handle the horizontal relationships of being on this earth. Because the day you was put on this earth, you was planted on this earth. Now you have a vertical, you have a 90 degree angle to the earth. You have the, the vertical relationship with God, but you're walking out your salvation on this earth. And this relationship, the revelation that you have will give you the strength to walk it out. So let's see. All the way to know him is through revelation. What's next? Come to me. Come to me. Go ahead. All who labor. All who labor and are heavy laden. Now think about this. Stop right there. It says, come to me all, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you what? Rest. Come to me for those who are burdened by the, by the horizontal relationships of this world. Come to me so you can deal with this. Come to me so you can deal with the next tragedy that's going to happen to your life. Come to me when you get disappointed. Because it's on the horizontal plane that you're disappointed. You're never disappointed by God. So you're never disappointed vertically. You're disappointed horizontally. And the only time that you claim disappointment, you need not do that, is when God tells you what to do that you don't want to do horizontally. But if he's a good father, he's telling you what to do because he wants to see you succeed. He's not going to tell you nothing that's going to hurt you for real. But it may break you. It may break that pride in you. It may bring you to your knees. It may cause you to do something nice for the enemy. It may cause you to bring a cup of water to somebody. It may cause you to clothe the naked. It may cause you to feed the hungry and visit those in affliction. And stay abstained from the world. That's James 126 and 127. It may cause you to do some things that take you out of, and I've been hearing this lately, your comfort zone. 
So he says, all those who have a laid in birth with sin, because the heaviest thing you carry is your sin. I don't care what it manifests itself in, drinking, drugging, uh, homosexuality, whatever. Your biggest burden, partiality, sin, the sinful heart, the heart of stone, the disobedience. He said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. But you can't obey this commandment to love until you get the revelatory message from God that will save your sin-sick soul. So he says, lay this burden at the foot of my cross. Now think about this. We take it to the cross and he takes it up to heaven. And we're forgiven. It's tossed as far from the east as to the west. Never to be remembered again. Even if you bring it up, I'm not charged with it. Even if you hold it against me. And I have to deal with the natural consequences of my horizontal sin. And I have to deal with some things. Guess what? God is forgiven. I may be about to punish it on this earth naturally. But I will not have to pay for it horizontally. And I think if you understood what's waiting you up there, you're glad to pay for some stuff down here. Because if you don't want to pay for nothing up there, you don't want to pay for that. And those who don't accept Christ, that don't establish a vertical, will experience a vertical that they really don't want. Read the next verse. And I'm going to show you where I have my problem. Take my yoke upon you uh -huh. and learn from me. Mm -hmm. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. He said, take my yoke upon me. Take my yoke. Now, I got a problem with that. And I said, whoa, that's what you're talking about. I'm already buried with sin. And the Bible tells us that we're under the yoke of the bondage of sin, right? And the yoke is some kind of control mechanism. That's what it is. It controls the ox. It's a burden. They just can't go where they want to go. They have to go wherever the person that put the yoke and the beat into their mouth. Mm -hmm. But you say my biggest problem is my sin. But when I give you my sin, you take that yoke off and put on another burden. Yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know about you. I want to be burden free. <laughs> my natural reaction is saying, hold on now. I don't really think of my burden I've been carrying my sin so long as been a burden. I've kind of been, I've been living life okay. Ups and downs, left and right. Why would I want something, another burden? Because you claim it's light. Because you claim it's light. So what you're telling me is the burden I drove off at the cross, the burden that you put on me to carry out my life horizontally is lighter than the burden of me continuing to carry my sin throughout my life. So I say, okay, Lord, I'll put on your burden. He said his burden is light. Read it again. Take my yoke upon you. Take, take my control upon you. And learn from me. And now, next thing we need to do, every revelation tells us that we need to learn more. If you get revelation from God, one of the things in this revelation that I think that he should be telling you is, you don't know it all and you need more. And it says you need to learn of me. And that's why I had a problem too. Now what that means is I got to study to show myself approved. Now it shows me that I need to get somebody to do Bible study that I can't be a long ranger. That I can't get this on my own. The system of learning 
that we use in America and all over the world is the same system that God uses. God uses us teachers to teach, but he is the ultimate revealer. And without a teacher, it's not going to come to you. You think it will because you made yourself your God. I can sit at home and get it. And when I talk to you, you are so shallow it's not fun. Your depth of understanding God is just right where you left off in with yourself. Amen. You ain't prayed. You ain't fellowshiped. You've just done what you want to do. But it's funny to me that you learn more about your job than the God who gave you your job. You learn, you, you, you will be on time for that nine to five. Because they get your paycheck. But don't you know if God wanted to, he could snatch the breath from you? That he could snatch that, that paycheck in tomorrow. And now what you gonna do? You gonna pray to yourself? No, you gonna cry out for Jesus, Lord help me. He gonna say, but I never knew you. What you mean? Well, I came to church and I did this and I did that. No, I'm not talking about what you did. I'm saying I need to have a relationship with you that you can understand I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. So you never understood that, that, that even if you lose your job, you ain't lost your purpose. Okay. I'm going to say that. That's good for me. Even if you lose your job, you haven't lost your purpose. Because your purpose is not your job. Your purpose is to glorify God. In your job. You don't work for Jesus. You love him. He's your father. You work at your job to glorify Jesus. Jesus gave you the job. So you glorify him. He gave you that good job so you can give him the glory. He promoted you when other people just as qualified as you. Amen. And you think it's because you were so bright, so smart. <laughs> At a certain level, when you go for promotion, everybody is saying, yeah. what makes the difference? You got the favor of God in your life. So I got a problem because now I got to learn of him. And he gives me instructions. And he tells me what to do. He gives me guidance. He says, do this, do that. Don't do this, don't do that. Move here, move there. He gives me things that tells me what to do, and I don't like it all the time. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. To see tell you that I like everything God tells me to do, that would be foolish. That would be foolish. But he gives me instructions and instructions in his word. And it's the implicit of his instructions that I like the best. Some of us have such spiritual lives, but it doesn't play on a horizontal relationship with others. So that means that what you have is can't be real. Because he just told you to love everybody. Go to Luke. I'm going to prove it out to you. This is how you show that you love people. Go to Luke chapter 6, verse 30. Now think about this. And I'm going to read 30 and I'm going to let it continue. He said, give to everyone. No, give to certain people. Everyone. No, I'm going to be partial. Everyone. No, I'm only give to Arsenio and not give to heaven. Everyone. No, I'm give to Venus and not give to Jeremy. Everyone. So that means when he says everyone, he means everyone. That's right. And the key is give to everyone who, who what? Begs from you. Who asks of you. He told you, ask and you shall receive. Knock and it shall be open. So he said, imitate me. Get the revelation. I want, to, want you to do the same. 
give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your good. So you got to give to people who are going to take from you? You mean I got to give to those who despitefully use you? I got to decide that I'm going to give to an open enemy? Yes, because the Bible teaches us that we were enemies of Christ too. We were once his enemy. So yes, we're supposed to imitate and give. Because what is it to give to somebody who loves you? That's what we're supposed to do. But think about this. Sometimes God says, reach beyond your partiality with each other and extend it to somebody else. Read verse 30. Give to everyone who begs from you. Mm -hmm. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. Mm -hmm. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. So he's saying, whatever you do to somebody, it's going to be done back to you. That's reaping its own. And if you do good to other people, it's going to be good doing good to you. you got, it's, a, it's one of those things that's so simple. You reap what you sow. So love works the same way. But it doesn't mean it's going to come back to the person that you show love to. That's one reason why we hold hands. Because it's been a hand that I hold that's next to me on my left or my right. I may pour it to them what they need and not get it back from them. See, the way you not show partiality is you, you hope to get it back from them, but you know what? If they don't, you've done a good deed. Amen. Because guess what? They might not be the one that you, okay, I give to Arsenio. Arsenio may not be able to give me the love I need back, but Stephanie may be able to give me the love I need. So as I fulfill and empty out and give away my love, I don't look to the person who I gave it to. I look around to my brothers and sisters who have plenty yes. to give me. I look to, to everyone out here to give me the love that God has promised. Read. If you love those who love you, mm -hmm. what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. So in other words, just doing something kind doesn't mean that you have that, that vertical relationship. If it's the motive behind it. Am I doing the love for Christ? Is my motive is to show them the love of Jesus and what Jesus has loved me. See, the reason why I can do this is not under my own power of natural being good. Because some people have natural dispositions of being good. But I can do this because I understand what God gave me. He gave me eternal life. He loved me when nobody else had loved me. He loved me when everybody had a right to accuse me. And he forgave me of all of my sins. So now I can go out and tell people what I've learned vertically, I can demonstrate horizontally by giving out to people. Because Jesus is that example for us. Because really, that's our high calling. Our high calling is not high like this. Our high calling is taking what's been given to us high and our sanctification process that's spiritual and make it earthly to everybody that we can. We take the high calling and go into the low places. We don't stay up there in the clouds. Because some people can't climb as high as other people. Even Paul said, I done went to the third heaven, but I can't even talk about it. 
Because it's not going to do you any good. Paul's the one who said that if you don't have love, you don't have anything. If there's not a demonstration of love horizontally in your life towards those who will despitefully use you, those who don't like you, those who don't care about you, those who will take advantage of you, then you haven't understood the true love of Christ. It's easy for us to love each other. And what we do is we can't take away from the scripture says the way that they who are outside the body know that we belong to Christ is first how we love each other. Didn't I tell you that he deals with you before he puts you out there to deal with them? We are a piece of the body. Until we get right, we ain't got no business out there. All right. yeah, that's true. If we can't love on each other, we have no business trying to love on them. Because what we're doing is really being hypocritical. When you go home and gossip about what's going on in the church, and one minute you're loving, and next minute you criticize, and it's not, it's not constructive, because you keep it between you and the person you gossip, and you and the person you gossip with, and whoever they gossip with. And you malign the body of Christ. How would anybody want to join that? You become their stumbling block. But yet still, you show up at church every Sunday. So they're looking at you like, okay, you go to church to come home and talk about the church. You could have just stayed home and talked about the church. But you got to come get the latest information. Somebody sit out there and say, why they get purple? <laughs> why they do white? Well, simple answer is, that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> but the complicated answer is I asked people, and they just gave me their wisdom on it. So, ain't no big deal. We're going to change colors every year. So the best bet is just to give you a color. <laughs> you know, next year, can you think about this? Sure. But what I'm trying to say is, is simple this, is that, is that it's easy to love <coughs> horizontally if we truly have a vertical relationship with God, right? Yeah. It becomes a, a burden that's light. Mm-hmm. See, that's the only way it's going to be. I've learned that my relationship with him helps me deal with everything else out here. So that's how it becomes light. It doesn't come light just because it's light. It becomes light because of my revelation. And because, hey, Nancy becomes not only light, but light. Because Nancy said, that, you know, got your pet peeve scriptures, but it's good to have them scriptures to keep you on track. Men prefer darkness rather than light because they good. Deeds are evil. So you prefer the heaviness of sin versus the light and the light of God, which is light to carry and revelatory. You'd rather carry that darkness to sin and keep your deeds evil. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. This is about being called. This is what I mean. You're called to that high place. First Peter chapter 2, verse 21. I mean, first Peter chapter 2, verse 21. Read. Who, who through him are believers in God, 
who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and Hold on. No, no, first Peter. I'm in first Peter. Two twenty one. First Peter two twenty. That's all right. For to this you have been called. Stop. For to this. So now we're going to find out what we've been called to. To this, not to that, to this. You haven't been called to sin. You haven't been called to darkness. You haven't been called to things that are not of God. You've been called to the light and the marvelous light. So to this, so we're going to learn what this light looks like, the burden of God looks like. Go ahead. Because Christ also suffered for you. You've been called to suffer. Go. Leaving you an example. Leaving you an example. Leaving you an example how to horizontally work out this, walk through this world and learn how to suffer through it. Amen. We say, well, well, Pastor, well, suffering got to be heavy. No, it's not. When you got God on your side. Amen. If I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which means I can preach the gospel in context, Paul was in jail. And he knew he was going to be beheaded, but he didn't stop preaching the gospel. He didn't let his circumstance stop him from his relationship or stop him from his mission. Amen. See, sometimes you let stuff happen to you, like Sister Karen was saying. She pressed on through this. Karen is an example. Karen's suffering through not having her vehicle right. But she pressed her way to the church house. Amen. Right. Knowing that she's going to get home. Amen. If we got to go out our way, we're going to take her home. Because she has to suffer through that. And Karen's getting revelatory understanding that when I trust God, I can walk through walls. I can walk through fire. Mm, somebody was in the fire and they trusted God. Hallelujah. And when they came out the fire, they didn't even smell like it was in the smoke. Amen. Can you imagine going to a barbecue and cooking all day and then when you walk with somebody like, did you cook anything? you like, yeah, I've been cooking all day. You ain't smell like you've been cooking nothing. <laughs> That's what God will do. He'll put you in heated situations and you'll walk out smiling like everybody else is crying because you done suffered through it. See, you suffered through it with a smile. Yeah. It's still a challenge. Yeah. It's still something that you got to get over, go through, go around. Amen. But you go through it with the dignity of God. Amen. You go through standing upright because this is right. All right. This is right. The revelatory experience of God and all that he's done for me is so right that when I, when I come into that challenge, I'm going to say, I'm going to show the love of Christ on this thing. Yes. Read, and we done. So that you might follow in his steps. That we might what? Follow in his steps. No, we're going to go around him. We're going to follow in his steps. That means wherever he walks, we're going to walk. And if he, if he preached the sinners, we're going to preach the sinners. If he preached into the whoremongers, we're going to preach to the whoremongers. If he preached... If, if Paul preached while he was going to be beheaded, and Jesus preached while he was going to be crucified, then we need to do the same. We need to better walk where he walks, into the dens of the devil and get some people saved. Because that's loving people. Beyond their circumstance. There's no circumstance that can appear on this earth that will stop me from worshiping God. No matter what I go through, no matter what illness I have, no matter how sick I may get or how well I may be, let me tell you something. God is crying for me. Amen. There's a difference between persecution and prosecution. There was one time I was being prosecuted, but I look forward to the persecution of the people for Jesus' sake. Because I'm walking where Jesus walked in. I'm walking where Paul walked in. I'm walking. 
When my Savior walked, I'm walking, standing hand in hand. He would never leave you nor forsake you no matter what you go through. But the biggest thing that you got to deal with is your sin. But you got to put your sin at the cross so he can take it up and dismiss it. And now you got to establish a relationship so now you can say these things with, with, with boldness. Amen. Come before the throne of grace with boldness. And you walk this thing out. You say, can't nobody take my joy? Because can't nobody steal my Jesus? Right. The Holy Spirit resides in me and is strong in me. And the word of God is sharp and in the two-edged sword. You got to know how to put it together in your mind. Like if I got the word of God in my mouth, then there's nothing that can't be defeated. Yeah. 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 It's like a slingshot in David's hand. I'm going to kill some giants. Hallelujah. Because we all come as little children. Y'all come as little children. And I'm still a little child in God's hands. Because I want to do what God told me to do. Read a little bit more. He committed no sin. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. See, that's what we got to get to the point, saints. If you say you haven't sinned, you're a liar. But this is what he means by that. For us, we should get to the point where let's, sin, let's say sin is a volume. Loud noise as I'm talking now. Like loud. You have loud sin in your life. As you begin to get the revelation and walk this thing out. It should be loud. It should be soft. And the loudness should come from the word of God and the Holy Spirit in you. And the stronger you get, the louder you get. The more you profess, the more you testify, the more you tell people about Jesus. And that's how you come boldly before the throne of grace. It's not that you don't sin, but the loudness of the God that's in you is louder than the sin that you still may carry. So our partiality due to pride. And our pride interrupts our relationship with God vertically. And But if we get the pride thing right and humble ourselves, then we can walk this thing out vertically with each other. And then as we walk it out with each other, then we can go beyond each other and go into the world and tell somebody about Jesus. Yeah. So I'm going to encourage you today, right now, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know about this relationship, I'm talking about this vertical, horizontal relationship I'm talking about, you need to come to Christ right now. It's now is the time. Now is the time for salvation. I don't care if you've been in church. This ain't got to do with church. Or religious affiliation, Baptist, whatever. It ain't got to do with that. That's religion. I'm talking about the relationship I just talked about. You may be in the church all your life and still don't know Jesus. There's a part in the Bible where the, Bible, where the word of God was missing for hundreds of years. In the temple, but missing. See, you can come to church and still be MIA. You know how to come, but you don't know how to listen. You don't know how to learn. You don't know how to submit to the word of God. It's not submitting to me. I'm just a spoon. Divvying it up. I'm a dispenser. Okay? You gotta argue, argue with the word of God. If you don't know God, this is your time to come. Come humbly. If you need to recommit yourself to God, you can do it right there. We when I say come, I don't mean come forward. What I mean is come to Christ. And you can do that anywhere. But I'm saying don't leave this leave the house of God right now when he's calling on you now. That can happen when you leave up out of here. But he's calling on you now. He wants you to come now. I see there's room. There's always room. And then if you want to be part of this fellowship, that's the next part. If you want to be this part of this fellowship, 
I encourage you to come and let us know so we can know that you're part of our family. So we can love on you. If we get to teach you. If you want to be part of